welcome to Totally Buggin', the podcast about all things creepy crawly. We are your host organisms, Cammie and Faith. Uh, today I'm going to be talking to you guys and Cammie about monarch butterflies and uh, the migration that they do every year. First, we're going to start with like the butterfly life cycle and how their whole lives start. So in late summer and early fall, if you're outside, you may notice like a very distinct pair of orange and black wings fluttering around, and those are the monarch butterfly, and they're very easily distinguishable, and they're also the most studied by scientists due to their different lifestyles compared to other butterflies. So the monarch life cycle starts with a female butterfly laying an egg on a milkweed plant, very specifically a milkweed plant. They what about the milkweed plant do they need to be able to grow and survive? Um, it's just, like, the larva. That's pretty much the only thing they can eat. So, like, they need to lay it on there. And the nutrition, like, the nutritional fibers of the leaves in the milkweed. Is it, like, like a particular enzyme or something? Or I don't know if it's a particular enzyme. I just know that, like, specifically the milkweed plant... Like, they won't lay their eggs on anything else because um, the caterpillars can't eat anything else. Hmm, Like, when they're first going. Yeah. Yeah. And then three to five days later, a larva or a caterpillar will emerge and start eating the milkweed that it was laid on. And these are very distinct-looking caterpillars. They are white, yellow, and black stripes that you might see throughout uh, the spring and early summer. And for the first stages of its life, life the caterpillar does nothing except eat and it eats and eats until it enters the next stage um, for metamorphosis in the pupal stage. Once this begins the caterpillar will seal itself into a green chrysalis for 11 to 18 days where the caterpillar will grow and change and go through a complete metamorphosis. What's the difference between a complete and incomplete metamorphosis, Faith? <laughs> so um, a complete metamorphosis is when you go through like multiple different life's, uh, life stages where like the insect will look completely different. One of those stages will be a pupil stage where mm-hmm. they go, like they undergo the complete transformation. Incomplete metamorphosis is where um, you only go, f- you only have like two to three life cycle Yeah, you're an changes. egg, yeah. an egg, and then a nymph, which is basically a tiny adult, and then yeah. you're an adult. And then the big adult. You don't go through, like, the complete, the complete glow up, if you will. <laughs> you don't, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you don't have, like, the complete change like these monarch butterflies do. And then the chrysalis will open, and the adult monarch butterfly uh, will emerge, and these adults will then mate and lay eggs for the next generation of butterflies, And these adults that lay eggs in, like, spring and early summer will only live uh, for two to five weeks. So these are not the generation of butterflies that you will actually see migrating. And there are multiple generations, like, laid throughout early spring to late summer. Okay, so Mm -hmm. that was... I knew that there was more to it than just the butterflies wake up and they know that they have to go to Mexico. I, I think I did know something about... Like, it's not one individual butterfly making the whole trip. Mm-hmm. How do they know, like, the different legs of the journey depending on where they end up being born? So, um, I think that depends a lot on, like, weather, like, changing temperatures, weathers, and winds. So, like, in the northeast, um, there's a very distinct change from, like, fall 
um, or from summer to fall. Mm -hmm. Um, so like it'll start getting colder, it'll start raining a lot more. So then like they will know, they'll get like those environmental cues that like, oh, hey, it's time to migrate. Like we're too cold. So they'll start moving south. And then, um, I don't know for sure, but I would assume for like more Southern butterflies, it's just more like slight changes Mm -hmm. that they would detect. And most of these butterflies live in like Southern Canada to North America anyway. Like, I don't think they live super far south in terms of, like, the United States. Okay. How, what exact geographic area does the migration cover? Um, so the migration covers, like, 3,000 miles both ways. So it's 1,500 miles down, and then it's 1,500 miles back, and the butterflies will travel up to 100 miles a day, and it's from, they start in, like, North America and Southern Canada, Mm -hmm. and then they will go down to, like, Mexico. Um, There's a specific type of trees in, like, the rainforest in Mexico Mm -hmm. that they go to, and, like, then that's where they hibernate for the winter. Do you know what the tree is called? Oh, so the specific type of trees or the Layomel trees. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, like, an entire forest of these trees that the butterflies hibernate in. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the last generations of eggs for the season are the ones that actually migrate. So they'll go through all the changes that we talked about before of the original life cycle, but then they will detect um, the different environmental changes that we talked about and actually start to migrate. And um, these monarchs are the only known butterflies that will like do this migration to Mexico. Uh, Once they reach Mexico, they enter a reproductive diapause. Um, And a diapause is when insects go through a period of suspended development where they basically stop normal functions and growth, typically over the winter. So if you're familiar with the term uh, snowbirds, when people from southern Canada and North America go to Florida for the summer. Like my grandparents. Yeah. (laughs) These butterflies are very similar, and they'll just, like, they'll go down to Mexico and basically go to sleep for the whole winter until springtime or, like, February to March. They will wake up from this hibernation and then travel back to North America and southern Canada to mate, and the cycle will start over again. So these will be the butterflies that you eventually see in early spring mating and laying the next generation of eggs. And because of the hibernating, these butterflies can live up to nine months because of the entire hibernation process, where other generations will only live two to five weeks. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much the entire, like, life cycle and their migration process. And then... Um, something I actually found really interesting that I didn't know before doing these re- doing this research is that they have a really cool um, cultural aspect in Mexico, mm-hmm. and it's because their migration lines up with like Dia de los Muertos, which is mm-hmm. um, a Mexican holiday celebrating like the spirits of ancestors who have already passed on the Day of the Dead. Because this butterfly migration lines up so closely with that holiday, it's like a commonly held belief that these butterflies are the spirits of the ancestors coming home. And um, another commonly held belief is that uh, the butterflies 
are also they like they represent the souls of warriors who have fallen in battle and are coming back um, to celebrate the holiday with their families. And that's why um, the distinct color orange is or is part of the reason why orange is like one of the main color for main colors for Dia de los Muertos is because like the butterflies have been doing this for such a long time that it's just kind of ingrained to the holiday. That's interesting because mm-hmm. I think in some regions of China, there's also a, cur- a cultural association between butterflies being uh, representative of the spirits of people who have died. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that across numerous cultures, there's this association with butterflies mm-hmm. and the afterlife. And yeah, I think that's a really cool connection because I feel like butterflies are one of the like prettier bugs I would say like people are less likely to be afraid of them as opposed to like bees or spiders or something like that like I feel like they're more aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. and like less scary I guess I would say like people are less likely to be scared of them I don't know have you ever looked one of those things in the eye oh yeah they are kind of creepy up close (laughs) because like They have, like, little beady eyes, and then, like, their tongue is really long. They're proboscis. (laughs) Right, they're proboscis. And I also found it really interesting how, like, this natural phenomenon um, just, like, happens to coincide with a holiday. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to, like, more cultural associations with these butterflies that really have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Like, they're just migrating, doing their thing. So those are the, like, fun cultural aspects of the butterfly migration and why we care about it. But now, of course, there are sad, there's always a sad aspect when we're talking about beautiful creatures. Yeah, I when you were mentioning about how they're using environmental clues, especially related to the climate, weather, and wind, yep. uh, I was wondering if that might have some relation to being changed by climate change, but I didn't want to spoil your episode. No, you're you're right on the money. Good. Um, so Give me five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's a big population decline caused by environmental um, effects, and butterflies can play an important role in the environment due to this migration that they embark on. Um, They're a huge pollinator bug. Butterflies, um, in general, are estimated to help pollinate up to 75% of plants and flowers, including food-producing plants, such as squashes and blueberries. And specifically, since monarchs travel travel all across North America, they contribute to, like, unique pollination of plants that are in completely different areas. So monarchs that live in Pennsylvania could potentially pollinate crops that are in southern climates and get that good genetic diversity within plants. Just to clarify, Mm -hmm. that 75% number, is that uh, just the butterflies contributing to pollination or is that figure about pollinators uh like insect pollinators as a whole they the butterflies help to pollinate up to 75 percent so i would say that they're more contributing to the 75 percent as opposed to butterflies themselves are pollinating 75 percent of crops okay because that sounded a lot like a number that i've heard for bees yeah Uh, so that's a the combined efforts of 
butterflies, bees, wasps, uh, some types of yeah. birds, beetles, etc. Will pollinate up to 75% of crops. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Exactly. Thank you. But due to different environmental problems, the monarch butterfly is in severe decline. Uh, in July of 2022, the monarch butterfly was classed as endangered on the red list by the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. And it has been estimated that, that up to 80% of the migratory monarch population has been reduced in recent decades because of climate change, deforestation, and pesticide use. Climate change causes temperature extremes, which can cause the butterflies to begin migration early before there is any milkweed for them to feed on. Deforestation directly reduces butterfly habitats, but there has been some local intervention that has helped with this problem. And then finally, pesticide use in the U.S. causes the population of milkweed, the, bu the monarch butterfly's favorite food, and one that is essential to their survival, um, to die, which cuts off uh, the food sources for butterflies. Because of these three factors, they're in, like, severe population decline. And then that leads us into... I thought I had seen an article recently that mm -hmm. um, the previous year of butterfly tagging for the for their migration yeah. actually indicated that there was a little bit of an uptick in their population compared mm -hmm. to the recent decline. Is okay. that accurate or is that kind of misrepresented? I don't know personally, but there could be um, a bit of an uptick just because of like recent things. I feel like a lot of scientific data starting in like 2020 is going to be a lot different because um, the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's just going to be different extremes. But yeah, there could be a potential uptick due to, also due to like, I feel like as a society, we're coming to an understanding that like we need to start being more environmentally friendly as a whole. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to fact check myself using Google while you yeah. continue to explain and say your piece about uh, what we can do to help them. So there are a few different things that we can do to help monarch butterflies. Um, the first of which is if you have the time and resources, you can plant a butterfly garden containing different plant species that monarch butterflies enjoy, such as milkweed, butterfly bush, cosmos, and goldenrod. Butterfly gardens provide homes for the monarch during the early spring and summer and would also provide rest stops to migrating butterflies through the late summer and early fall. And also, having a butterfly garden, um, like, on your property would increase, like, the different diversity within plants and also be beneficial to other bugs in the area, such as, like, honeybees or ladybugs. It's not just helpful to butterflies, it's helpful to other species as well. And also be aware of the different ways that we can get involved with helping monarch butterflies through local conservations and different programs uh, to help preserve monarchs, such as Adopt-A-Butterfly programs. Um, there are different programs where if you, like, donate to the butterfly conservation, you can, like, adopt a butterfly in their name, or in your name, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then finally, um, being aware of just how our individual lifestyle affects climate and the environment in any way that we can. And I will uh, put a list of resources that I think are like feasible for the common person because I feel like a lot of things we can do to change climate, like change the climate 
aren't thought of as like with the with an ordinary person in mind. So that will be listed um, on our sources if you um, want to see how you can help the environment a little bit. Yeah, there's often a lack of accessibility within uh, environmentalist spaces. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and if you don't mind me cutting in, yeah, um, I did consult the Google machine. The Google machine. And uh, it appears that the 2022 Western Monarch count, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the tagging programs in the U.S. that's mm-hmm. based in like the California coast, they had the highest number of butterflies that they were able to tag and count since the year 2000. Wow. Okay. Um, which is good. But then there were a bunch of storms right after. So that oh, might. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. What experts are saying is that this is a good sign that there is hope and it's not necessarily too late to help this population. But, you know, we got to have those storms right after. Yeah. (laughs) So it's too early to say, but uh, there have been some promising numbers in recent years of slight recuperation in population. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, As always, thanks for listening, and all of our sources will be listed on our website. Thanks for listening. Our sources and other information can be found at totallybugginpod.weebly.com. You can also find us on Instagram at totally.buggin.pod and on Twitter at bugginpod. Thanks for listening.